0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal.
2: Messi takes everybody up. Messi has got it!
1: From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. Nail, and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair, each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. listen up. All you ever ask for is an opportunity.
2: The Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder
3: Drew Gear. Be aggressive. You have literally nothing to lose. You're a borderline football team. If I don't keep laughing about this stuff, my teeth are going to turn, around and devour my brain. The
4: Bills make me wanna.
3: If there are no fans in the stands this year and they've played the games,
2: let's say they play 16 games season, that would mean roughly hundred million dollars
3: less revenue per team. That would be three point two billion dollars less revenue,
0: which would be factored into the 2021 salary cap. And the various estimates that I've gotten from various people, from team executives to club owners, is that the salary cap could be down anywhere from 30 million to 80 million in 2021. If owners have $100 million on average less revenue per team, they're not absorbing those
3: losses by themselves. And they're under no obligation to do anything different because the CBA spells out that the salary cap for any given year is derived off the total revenues from that year. Now, total revenues are down $3.2 billion, and it may be more and it may be less. Salary cap will be adjusted accordingly. (laughs) welcome everybody to another edition of the rock pal report podcast i am your host bill season ticket holder drew gear that's my producer chris krueger and that was adam schefter from the my sports update podcast also on the blue wire podcast network we're gonna link that podcast in its entirety in the description of tonight's show chris should be dumb not to go check that out and support the my sports update podcast
2: yep it's on the network Support the shows on the network. That's how this works.
3: And also, be sure to throw us a review and subscribe on Apple Music, Spotify, wherever the hell you find our podcast. Just so that other fans like you can figure out what you already know. The fact that we're the pettiest, the hardest drinking, <laughs> the most irreverent Bills podcast in existence, and everybody needs a little bit of that in their lives. Chris, week fourteen we've reached in quarantine. Reach fourth week fourteen. How's your life? What's uh, new?
2: Let's see here. Just go rollerblading at the Outer Harbor.
3: Do you have a shirt on when you do this rollerblade?
2: Absolutely blade?
3: not. Oh, my God. I got to get that tan. Folks, the a man has tan- a blonde mohawk. Yeah, it works when a you dad- have tan skin. Th- the worst dad bod you've ever seen. He did 13 push-ups and had to ice his shoulder. I turn heads down at the waterfront. Because people look at you and go... Where the hell do his balls come from? Where do they come from, (laughs) this guy? I don't know. I my week was good. I've nearly completed my smoker project. That used smoker I bought for fifty dollars.
2: And how much have you put into it for refurbing it?
3: Probably about forty-eight dollars.
2: It's a hell of a steal on uh, a Facebook marketplace. I'm taking a
3: $50 off uh, a stick burner, charcoal, a little bit of wood. But I wanted something with a giant cooking area that also was just wood fired. And I found it for cheap. It was beat to hell. Now, Shiny New has a bunch of modifications made to it. This thing is going to cook like a champ. I can't wait. Chris, I'm going to throw a party. I'm going to feed half my neighborhood. That's my goal. Wait, you're friends with your neighborhood? No, I hate my neighbors. Nah, not, not Todd across the fence. Todd across the fence, he's the Drunk man. Todd across Drunk Todd. Drunk Todd from across the fence. Those of you who have watched our post-game press conference, you understand who Todd is. But for everyone else, my neighbors, I grew up out in the middle of nowhere. So I don't get along with people, especially if I feel like you're encroaching on my, I don't know, my property, my sense of privacy. And yet my wife, it's kind of like, Chris, the, the analogy I make is my wife is Kitty and I'm Red Foreman. Somebody has to be nice to Is that to that these 70s show? Yes. See, I know things. Somebody has to be nice to these people so that we could occasionally go to them like, hey, if I need a cup of sugar. I probably don't need any more than that because I'm always prepared for everything. But at the same time, I don't want them to feel so comfortable they just come over without announcing it because they know I'm a jerk.
2: (laughs) I would definitely come to your house unannounced.
3: (laughs) Of course you would. So for tonight's podcast, folks, the focus is COVID-19, the 2021 sailor cap, and what lies beyond means for the Buffalo Bills, quote unquote, competitive window. Chris, last week we had Paul Lane, the data reporter for Buffalo Business First Magazine in what he told us was his first podcast appearance ever for a discussion about the financial ripple effect that fanless football or God forbid, no football would have financially in the Western New York area. It's a pretty bleak conversation if I'm if I'm being honest. Chris, I walked away from it not feeling great about myself.
2: What about you? I thought it was pretty interesting. It's it's mostly laying things out that you don't think of as far as, you know, like Bill's players stimulating the economy here. You know, they go out. You know, they don't just go to practice, play the game, and go home. They I mean, They go honest, out and do things. Reed
3: barely knows how to
2: cook. Oh, if you follow Reed on Instagram, you know he likes to cook. He likes you, to. You look at his story, he's almost grilling like every single night.
3: He's learned how to grill. I'll give him that. He also chose to play football in an area where you get to grill how many nights a week? How many months out of the year?
2: A lot. <laughs>
3: ah! A lot. Uh. So I'm driving home, and my mind's wandering, as it tends to do. And I'm thinking about all the financial repercussions. We started out the night talking about how Buffalo itself would struggle. And then it kind of goes to something else horrible that I had read earlier in the week from the people at overthecap.com. Jason Fitzgerald, head writer for OTC, went on record stating that due to the monetary losses, NFL teams were already set to absorb with the loss of preseason games ticket sales, in-stadium spending, and the fact that, Chris, how many teams now have followed the Bills' trend of letting people opt out of their season tickets?
2: Uh, I think that's pretty league-wide, I would say.
3: It started started with the Bills, and it became just a league-wide thing. And with that, it started this domino effect of lost revenue. The league could be looking at a reduction rather than an increase of the league's salary cap for the first time in almost 20 years. And while the exact amount, you can't project that until we know how much total revenue the league really loses. His estimates as to the floor of those losses was anywhere from 20 to 25% with the potential to be as high as $80 million, Chris, of the current cap of 198 Does it sound crazy to you?
2: Yeah. Yeah. If it gets the $80 million, Jesus,
3: who's going to be able to field the team? <laughs> I, have, I have no idea. So while the sticker shock of that kind of took everyone's breath for a second, we all know there's some wiggle room. For a league that has found a way to get creative with the way that it handles bonuses and contract design to the degree that the NFL has, there's surely some way of smoothing some of those losses over by rolling them into future years, rather than Chris trying to just bite the bullet all at once, right? But with that in mind, and a few strong cocktails in me, which is where we're currently sitting, because, I mean, that first IPA opened, it was a good one. The topic of financial impact is fresh in my mind, and it got me thinking... We know what would happen to our city now, but what about this football team? What about the team that brings us all here to the show every week? I mean, this Bills team has seen a resurgence under Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean. And the rock that their church has been built on has been an influx of talented rookies that have outperformed their contracts. And that has given the team some cap flexibility that allows them to field the fifth most expensive wide receiver group in the league. Chris, the Bills are the fifth highest in wide receiver spending. That doesn't mean we're going to be great. It just means that we had the extra cap space.
2: Yeah, we signed guys
3: to help Allen. Exactly. And look at it. We have the most, if you want to break it down like that, we have the most expensive wide receivers in football, the most expensive offensive center in the game right now, And we've signed a massive influx of free agent talent to upgrade our pass rush this season. We brought in Mario Addison, who's had nine sacks a year. Quentin Jefferson, who's in the top five pass rush win rate as a defensive tackle. They owe Vernon Butler, who was drafted by Brandon Bean as, what, the assistant GM? Yeah. He was part of the group that oversaw that draft pick. Sean McDermott was the defensive coordinator at the time the pick was made. Ultimately, they went out and they spent a ton to upgrade that one facet of our defense. But the thing that gave them that flexibility was the fact that nobody on this roster is making a ton of money yet. Our most important players are vastly underpaid. To me, that essentially makes up the Bills' window for success. You think about it. The Chiefs, the Eagles, and the Rams have all proved... In the past five years, that cheap quarterbacks overplaying their pay and lavish spending elsewhere on the roster can get you to a Super Bowl. And as you draw inexorably closer to a season where the ability to keep that group together and further capitalize on that, just the dynamic might get compromised. Chris, that makes me nervous. It makes me nervous for what the future of this team could be. Because it's like we're building a sandcastle. But there's this inevitable wave that's coming to knock it all over. Do you understand where I'm coming from when I lay it out like that?
2: Yeah, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I it, know it's the middle of July and nothing's been set in stone yet for fans are going to be allowed to be in the stadium because, you know, that's going to be a
3: part of the revenue. We have no idea what's going to happen, but what we do know is there's dis- there's turbulence on the horizon.
2: Sports are coming back. And so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. And there's no better place to start than with our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Get in on the action for this week's big UFC fight, or check out odds on NASCAR, Formula One, and the Premier League. Can't wait for your team to come back? BetOnline has future odds, including win totals, division winners, and even league championships. Or check out daily simulations of Madden and NBA 2K to watch and wager on. Visit betonline.ag. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline,
3: your online wagering expert. So the question becomes, to what degree, Chris, are things compromised? And what could the fallout mean for the players both in the roster and for the team in upcoming free agent seasons where Brandon Bean has kind of earned his nickname the contractual gangster? Well... Chris, nobody much like last week. N- even though you and me, we do we dabble, we look at the figures, the facts. Nobody wants to hear from hacks like us. They want to hear from somebody who's a little more nuanced in their approach. In well, their I studies. trust I
2: trust you with uh, an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> That's <laughs> about it. a calculator, not so much.
3: <laughs> and so, with that, we have, we are joined by tonight's guest, Mr. Paul Wineski of hashtag Sports. How are you doing, sir?
5: Hey, what's going on, boys? Long time. Uh, not, I'd say first time, long time, but uh, that's that's clear. I think I'm, I think I'm on time number four. Is
3: I think this? this is your fourth appearance on the podcast. Yeah. And what I so, love is it, and it's probably the seventh to eighth time we've gotten to get together and drink beer and talk about let's talk about football. Now, I have to ask the question, Paul. What is it that you're drinking tonight?
5: Well, uh, so kind of, kind of long story short, I stumbled across. Natural Light released a series of seltzers. So uh, now, mind you, long story short, my my wife uh, made me buy a case of White Claws once, and she had a horrible allergic reaction about a half a can deep. And I am a frugal person, so I had to drink 23 cans of White Claw. And uh, this one kind of struck my fancy because uh, one of them is named the Catalina Lime Mixer, which is what happens when cherry and lime become best friends. And I cannot wait to get deep into that one. So that's uh, that's where I am. Right oh, my now. God, that's folks. That's where I am with my life. <laughs> and that tells
3: you a lot about what you need to know about the guys over at Hashtag Sports. They We've known them since, I mean, we've all kind of gotten together because of the group over at Rock Sports Network and all the live events right. we've gotten to do together. But it's been a lot of fun collaborating with you guys over the years. They have a YouTube channel, The Sunday Drive. Chris, we've been lucky enough to be on it not once but twice.
2: I was on it once. You've been on it more.
3: Yeah. Because and,
2: you have all of the information, and I just uh, hit buttons over here.
3: Yeah, I got to sit in uh, Paul's seat, and I, I apparently you guys lost some subscribers because I was pouring whiskey into my, into my coffee.
5: <laughs> Listen, we've all made better decisions, but no, having <laughs> you on is always a wonderful thing.
3: So the Sunday drive, what do you guys have coming up in the coming weeks? I mean, the, I love the format of the show. Tell our listeners a little bit about it.
5: Yeah, so basically uh, you know, my uh, my co-host Mario and I, we hop in the car and we just kind of grab a couple ice caps, uh, you know, slam down some donuts and uh talk Buffalo Bills football. Um and that's that's kind of the the pace of the show. We just drive around and talk about whatever comes up. Um and uh it's it's just a riot to be able to get in a confined space with your best friend where you can just be as loud as you want, especially when between the two of us we have six kids and uh you know, sometimes doing stuff at home is not the uh, the easiest of things to accomplish.
2: Six kids, you guys are like the Brady Bunch. I know. This is I the know. story.
3: <laughs> oh, of a man God. named Ski. Oh my God, I'll tell you this. I don't know how you're doing it, because I am I feel like Brett Favre at the end of his career right now. I have one kid. He's six, five five and a half, almost six weeks old, and I just feel like this is how Brett Favre must have felt at the end of his career. Just punch drunk, foggy all the time. Just going through the motions, just trying not to get killed. This,
5: yeah, you know, I feel for you there, Drew. I, I was two kids deep until uh, the, our, our youngest is five months old today, actually. And the problem when you go from two to three is you go from man coverage to zone coverage, right? Because there's they outnumber you, so that's what happens. And oh, you have to learn to adapt.
3: That is a hilarious analogy. I love it. So the reason that you're here tonight is because you're the guy we turn to whenever we have anything we need to talk about in, in regards to NFL money because you're a nerd. For lack of a better term, you're a nerd when it comes to this stuff. You'll you won't deny that, correct?
5: Oh, 100%. Okay.
3: So as we were describing to our listeners, I'm driving home from our last com- our last podcast last week and we're talking about The Just the local impact that no fans in the stadium would have on the the Western New York economy. And so then I'm thinking to myself, what's going to happen to the salary cap? What's going to happen to football? And what does that mean for the Buffalo Bills competitive window? What does it all mean? So obviously I have to go to somebody smarter than me. So we bring you in tonight to kind of hash through some of this. We're going to start by just talking about the realities of the NFL cap situation and what we know as of today. So what we know is that the 2020 cap situation will not be affected,
5: correct? Yeah, 100%. No, nothing's going to change at all for 2020.
3: Now, all those contracts are full, they're already guaranteed in terms of they've been signed, they're ironclad, you're not going to go back on them now and try to negotiate in 2020 for something that you, you signed in good faith. So then when I look at twenty twenty one, I have to th- you think to yourself, the cap inevitably will decline. It's not an if, but a when. And as we heard into the in the intro of tonight's show, Adam Schefter laid out in the My Sports Update podcast, the cost of these lost revenues will not belong directly to the ownership group. So I guess my first question is what do you know about the mechanics of the CBA that allow the owners to share the losses that they're due to incur in the way that Schefter's describing?
5: So an interesting thing here, right, is there's something that happened a little while ago that kind of flew under the radar, happened back in May. So the NFL owners have something called a debt ceiling, right, where they can have a certain number of overall debt um, and count that as revenue, right, just kind of operating costs, stuff like that. So uh, they count that as $350 million is what that debt ceiling is, right? The owners back in May saw all this coming, and they actually raised their debt ceiling to $500 million. And the reason they did that was because they assume that if, well, if we take on more debt, we could count that as uh, sustained revenue, right? So each team's debt ceiling has actually increased by $150 million to kind of offset some of the upcoming losses um, that they know they're going to have, right? Um, so they're going to take that debt that debt ceiling and they're going to count it as income to try and uh, kind of supplant some of that crazy revenue they're going to lose and the nfl season coming up is going to be really funky because you might see logos on jerseys you're not going to get you know the owners are going to lose revenue because of loss of ticket sales yeah but i mean you're talking about loss of in stadium advertisements you're talking about loss of player sponsorships right uh in game and out of game um so you're going to see a very creative approach to generating revenue Because we're talking billions of dollars could be in the loss. And the way the CBA is written, and actually just recently re-signed, they talk about how to scale the salary cap, but they kind of wrote it with a golden pen like the ink was never going to run out. You know, like, oh, the revenue is always going to increase. Of course it's always going to increase. And they never, ever, ever plan for force majeure, right? That's, that There's no force majeure clause in, this, in the collective bargaining agreement. Not to say they can't add one, but force majeure is one of those, you know, catastrophic events um, where the truth is the owners are not going to want to take a loss, Right? No,
3: but, no, 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 no.
5: Right? They're not going to want to take a loss, but they're already sharing forty-eight point five percent of revenue with the players. That's the new collective bargaining agreement player revenue shares, forty-eight point five percent. So the players are getting a much smaller share of the pie as it is. Plus the overall loss of revenue. I mean, with the increase in debt ceiling, we might see a thirty million dollar decrease in the salary cap. But I'm going to be honest with you, Drew. The Bills have thirty-five million dollars in cap space next year.
3: Ah, see. And so, I guess, so you talk about some teams having that ability, the Bills being one of them, where, like, listen, we have room here. Here's a question. How much acrimony do you see this? Considering what Major League Baseball just experienced in their effort to get the sport up off the ground, how much acrimony do you see between the union and the owners in this? I mean, think about this. This was the closest to not having a CBA pass the league has been in in years.
5: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and truthfully, right, the the new collective bargaining agreement, um, if you take a look at the old collective bargaining agreement, the last one, the players that voted on that, there was a massive number of NFL veteran players that were a part of that vote. And they didn't want the rookies to make more money than them. So what they did in the last collective bargaining agreement was they said, "Okay, we're going to take all the new rookie money. We're going to we're going to take that away." They all got mad at Sam Bradford and Aaron Maben for making absurd amounts of money for doing nothing. So <laughs> Who's not
3: mad at, at the- Aaron Maben? Let's. <laughs> Dude, you, you say the name and I want to bite. Chris, I want to take a bite out of this glass bottle like it's an apple. You bring up that name around me. That man, I'll never forget Eric Wood making headlines for throwing him by the face mask on the ground during a practice and yelling at him to earn some of that. Give back some of that money you haven't earned.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's terrible. Total. Aaron maybe made like twelve million, twelve million dollars in four seasons for a sack, right.
3: for one and a half sacks career. I think
5: so yeah. And now yeah. he does art.
3: Now he makes and sells art.
5: Yeah. Charmed life.
3: It's a charmed life.
5: <laughs> so. Uh, it got, got to get back to get back on topic, right? The last CBA, they made the veterans, um, they tried to make the veterans more valuable, right? By regulating the amount of money that rookies can make. But what they didn't anticipate was the fact that they were going to make rookies more valuable because their contracts were controllable and they were cheap. Well, you take a look at this collective bargaining agreement, right? And the player pool totally different, right? tons of rookies they gave themselves a raise that's what the new collective bargaining agreement did was it raised rookie salaries across the board Um, so the rookies because they make up a vast majority of the NFL now um, they voted to increase their own salaries there was like 500 players that didn't even vote right Um, and they only passed by like 31 votes for this new collective bargaining agreement so this was not a good collective bargaining agreement series of negotiations um but they had a lot of timeline deadlines that they wanted to meet. They wanted to get this new collective bargaining agreement signed before a new uh, before a new president took over of the players' association because they they were worried they were going to start back from scratch. But the truth is, they had the opportunity to prepare for, for this given the time frame when that collective bargaining agreement was being signed, and um, they they really failed. Right, so. As far as the Players Association and the owners, they're all losing money. <sighs> there, there's no way to put this any other way. They're all losing money. And the truth is it's going to hurt the veterans more than it's going to hurt the rookies. Oh, right? of course. Because if I'm the Bills, I'm looking at Trent Murphy saying, well, I'll take I'll take that $7 million that I will save right now because oh, I know I'm losing cap space next season. Absolutely. Trent Murphy is not worth the $7 million extra money that I'm going to have to pay him to keep him. You would I'm almost, you'd look at year. that,
3: you'd look at that in a year where you might have to be frugal and you'd say, hey, a pterodactyl, Daryl Johnson, he doesn't look that, you, you give me $7 million in a pterodactyl playing defensive end, eh, we can sell the idea of him getting, yeah. eh, let's get him playing time, let's see what he has. So right. now, the only other thing left is the scope of the impact and the length, I guess it's going to be dictated by the league and the NFLPA's decisions and responses. I mean, today they had some negotiations, and from everything I could read, there wasn't a whole lot of headway made. But ultimately, how bad it gets and what the fallout is is going to be determined jointly between them. Now, every side, I'm sure, has a difference of opinion. I mean, I think that if the entire loss for all of this year due to COVID would would be absorbed in a single season, some NFL teams wouldn't be able to feel the complete roster, much less a competitive one. I mean, Chris, here's the numbers. 2020, 10 teams have less than $10 million in cap space heading into next year. In the 2021 offseason, there's four teams with less than $10 million in cap space, and three of them, Atlanta, New Orleans, and Philadelphia, have negative cap space. And I'm not talking negative, oh, one, twosie, you know, onesie-twosie bullshit. Philadelphia is negative $63 million in cap space in 2021. New Orleans is negative 47. Ski, how does that happen?
1: Yeah, it
5: really. I mean, that is just the antithesis of we're taking our shot, right? Like when you look at it, you're like, okay, we're just going to take our shot. We're going to shoot our shot and, you know, you know, consequences be damned. But you take a look at that team, right? Do you expect... Uh, Alshon Jeffrey to be on the 2021 Philadelphia Eagles. Nope, there's $10 million, <laughs> right? You take, you look at Deshaun Jacks, you're like, nope, there's $5 million. You look at Brandon Brooks, you're like, well, that's $12 million, right? Like there's money that you could save by getting rid of some of these bloated contracts because Carson Wentz is costing them a boatload of money in 2021. Lane Johnson's costing them a boatload of money in 2021. Uh, Javon Hargrave cost him a boatload of money in 2021, but it's all a product of teams trying to take their shot, and that's really the way that the GMs approach things now, which is different than Brandon Bean, right? Well, teams are now built for we're going to look at this three-year window. Well, and, and I, I guess that's, that's it. I, that's, that's it. I was that's gonna, all we got.
3: And I guess that's what I, I guess it's where my panic starts to come from is because I see this stuff and I start thinking to myself, oh my god. The Buffalo Bills. I mean, you're talking about. He, listen, you want to talk about a, probably a closer corollary to what the Bills have going on. Houston's Bill O'Brien is going to have. Now we all know him as a sound decision maker, right? The man's a genius. Oh my God, Chris, he's a bona
0: fide oh genius.
3: Bill O'Brien will have four million dollars in cap space while somehow needing to retain Deshaun Watson. Good. Let's see how creative that man gets in trying to figure out how to make that work. Now, the the other side to this, though, is that that's not palatable to the people who write the checks for everything. I mean, can you picture Jerry Jones being amicable about the idea that he's going to have to use practice squad players to make up half his defense for a year rather than lose his quarterback because he stubbornly didn't sign him to an extension?
5: Well, I, I want to stop you right there because there, like the Patrick Mahomes contract changed a lot, right? So the Mahomes contract was a big deal. This, you know, five hundred, you know, this, you know, five hundred million dollar contract, right? Half a billion, so baby. Yeah, half a billion dollars. Um, but th- let me let's let's talk about that real quick because um, they added um, a new play. They added another playoff game, right? And they're adding a seventeenth week, right? A uh, 17th game. So let's not forget, right, that Patrick Mahomes signs a 10-year extension. So it didn't negotiate, renegotiate his, his next two years. It's a 10-year extension after that. So really it's a 12-year contract. Just think about that for a minute, right? <sighs> a 12-year contract. For hockey but, fans
3: out there, this is, the, this is the New York Islanders style of negotiating. Right. Let's it sign is. guys. And you know what the worst part was? They paid those players for four or five years after their deals were done, after they stopped playing.
5: Oh God, D- D'Patrio! I remember yes, D-P-H-O. D-P-H-O. What a oh mess! Oh my God, what a mess! <laughs> just put a garbage, just put a, just put a D'Patrio jersey on a garbage can and stroll it on in there. You're but he was making,
3: he was making like seven million dollars a year. So they're like, well, what are we going to do? We have to keep dressing him.
5: Just yeah. send him
3: out there,
1: right?
5: They're like,
3: well, well his, and his and goals the- against is three a game. Eh, it doesn't matter. We're paying him to be a starter. Let him get yep. shelled, and then eventually That's he it. quit, and they still owed him. And that's where some of these teams are going to find themselves. And so conversely, when I look at the idea of, okay, you bite the bullet, you take it all in one year, there are some teams that would be screwed if they were to take all of the losses and condense it into a single season. The other theory that's been floated is that the league could spread the loss out over multiple seasons rather than biting the bullet for a singular, singular year. The impact would be felt on the players' side. I think more so in that sort of a scenario, because not only would average contract values stagnate, Chris, every year we talk about how certain positions get paid more. When we had you on the show for our cap preview series, you know, when we did a salary cap primer, just yeah, to back let fans before free agency, where the bill stood salary cap wise, we talked about the positions where salaries had skyrocketed over the last three or four years. Well, that's not going to happen In an era where you're taking losses from a singular season and putting them over a decade, you're going to see a dampening effect on that. And you're going to see some teams that decide, more teams than not, who decide to play kind of fast and loose with certain positions that are used to seeing a little bit of an uptick. I mean, I'll say this. Remember when the Bills played seventh-round draft pick Demetrius Bell at left tackle for three years? Rather than pay a good one because Jason Peters left. Do you remember that, Ski?
5: Terrifying. <laughs> Terrifying.
3: That's the nightmare scenario. That's but it. They, they didn't want to invest right. draft position draft capital. They didn't want to spend the money on an established left tackle. So they said, you know what's gonna be good enough, Chris? We've got this guy. He's what Carl Malone's illegitimate son. We're gonna trot him out here. And he's an athlete. And he's good, he's raw, but he's got upside and we like him. Really, what it was was the team being cheap. And for fans out there, Chris, do you remember Demetrius Bell? heard of him. Okay, you've heard of him. Ski, you and I, these are the kinds of things that turn our stomach. When you think back to those days of football, how many drives were just killed by a left tackle who can't do a left tackle's job? Because he's a seventh-round pick. He's a seventh-round pick. The the problem for the players is that, especially the veteran guys and the journeymen, is that you're going to see teams play it cheap. If you scale this out over the course of a decade, there's going to be the teams that say, hey, listen, I think, what was it, a year or two ago, Trey Boston, the safety, formerly of the Carolina Panthers, he played for the Cardinals, the Chargers, he was complaining how safety pay wasn't rising commensurate to everybody else. And it seems like safety's got made the running backs of the defense in the sense that teams said, hey, listen, that's just a position we're not going to pay a premium for. We'll just keep rotating rookies. That's what we'll do.
5: Right. Well, and truth be told, that's what the collective bargaining agreement really encouraged, right? Because they're so affordable, right? And, and, but the, the interesting thing about how all this plays out, right, because you've got players like Matt Milano who are up for a contract extension, Deion Dawkins up for a contract extension. Walking into a season where revenue is expected to be down and cap space literally obliterated for everybody but the New England Patriots, who next year will have $100 million in cap space. You had to say! It. I
3: knew it! Chris, he's going to ruin my good mood within 20 minutes of being on the podcast. He's better <laughs> than the not Patriots saying- and their boatload of money they have. I knew he couldn't help himself.
5: Yeah. I'm not saying they're going to use it effectively. I'm saying they have it. All right. So they have it. (laughs) Doesn't mean they're going to know what to do with it. Right. So um, but the reason that I bring this up is because it's a really funky scenario for Matt Milano, Deion Dawkins, Trey White, because this is the exact wrong time to sign players to long term extensions. Right. But big but here. But. The Bills can still get it done. And here's why I think that's really super important, right? So you have players like Trent Murphy. He's going to save you $7.5 million if you cut him now. You cut him now. That money is Matt Milano's money next season, right? You take a look at um, uh, even – don't get mad at me. Quentin Jefferson, Micah Hyde, uh, Tynasecki, they all save you money if you cut them. Prior to 2021.
3: Well, here's the thing. When you look at what the Bills are, and I guess that's what starts this conversation, and that's where we really launch into the Bills talk, now that we've bored everybody with our takes on the rest of the NFL. When you look at the Buffalo Bills, as I alluded to earlier in the conversation, before we brought you in, their makeup is one of a team that's tent pulled by young, dynamic talent. Guys like White, Edmonds, Oliver, Milano. You've got Singletary that you can throw into that conversation. Dawkins. You can even argue Josh Allen's part of this group. I mean, I know he's divisive enough as it is. These guys that are overplaying their current paychecks. And then what you do is you have them who are kind of propping up your team. You throw in some value signings, guys like Quentin Spain, who for some reason, somehow we voodooed him into signing a three-year, $5 million a year contract, which blew my mind. Feliciano, Hughes, Hyde. And then you bring in a few high-priced players kind of just sprinkled in for effect. You've got Diggs, Brown, Murphy, Addison. Like Those are the types of players I think about. The model they're utilizing is based around this concept that the young, cheap players allow you to field a roster that, while not top-heavy with Pro Bowl talent, is deep, it's well-coached, and it works well in unison with each other in all three phases. That's what's kind of fueled this resurgence of Bills football over the last three years. Now, the recent trend, Patriots notwithstanding, because, Chris, listen, it's the last time we mentioned them on this podcast? To hell with those guys. It produced a lot of on-field success for a number of franchises, as we kind of alluded to earlier. And philosophically, it gets harder to maintain that model as these players all come up for paydays. Now, obviously, you can do it. You can pay some guys and still find success. The 49ers made it in 2019 with Garoppolo as one of the highest-paid quarterbacks in the league and multiple expensive players across the roster. Denver made it with Peyton Manning with some highly paid wide receivers and a number of defensive players that had sizable contracts. And then you think about who else is out there, Chris. What other teams that haven't had a rookie quarterback and haven't had some dynamic playmakers still playing on their rookie deal have really gone for it, have really been able to compete at a high level over the course of a couple of years?
2: Didn't Pittsburgh have Big Ben and Juju on a rookie or is he still on a rookie? Juju, what? Are you high? Big Ben and Juju
3: both on a rookie?
2: No, I meant Juju on a rookie. Okay,
3: Juju Schuster on a rookie contract. Yes, yeah. that happened. Yep. Okay, so here's what I'll say. I think that it's made more difficult and requires a much higher level of draft execution to do what the 49ers did and what Denver did. And out of the two of them, Denver's the one who walked away with a Super Bowl title. So and what they got shellacked in their first attempt, which you could. So then you could argue, does the model even work or do you just have to be lucky? I think it's what fuels a lot of this. You have to be good at the draft. Your guys have to execute commensurate to their paycheck and you have to be lucky in order to make that model work. Before this COVID field cap crunch, the bills were already rapidly approaching the end of that window where you could still continue to feast on rookie deals with high end production. My fear is that any rocking of the boat from a future camp standpoint could accelerate the closing of our window and make winning in 2020 that much more important. Do you agree or disagree with that fear?
5: So I think the Bills are in a better position than a lot of other teams for a variety of reasons, right? And I'm not just remaining optimistic here. This is really truthfully, objectively, the just the facts, right? The Bills play the veteran free agent game, the value veteran free agent game, better than nearly every team that I can tell you, right? So when all these teams start crazy cap-cutting veteran players, the Bills will just be able to sit there and rake. Because they play this game really well. And truthfully, and Drew, you might not have looked at this, but in 2021, there's only two bills on the current roster in the top 51 paid players who will actually cost you money to cut. Ed Oliver and AJ appanessa After that, you can literally cut every player and save some level of cap. That- literally every player on the roster so their future flexibility very, is very very much there but
3: I did look at the contracts that are on the books for 2021 weak side line so here's everybody Chris who's slated to be a free agent in 2021 let me read this off to you Chris and you give me your knee jerk reaction when I'm done weak side linebacker Matt Milano left tackle Deion Dawkins Trent Murphy defensive end number two cornerback number two Josh Norman punt returner Pro Bowl punt returner, Andre Roberts. Wide receiver, slotted somewhere in 3-5 to five range, Isaiah McKenzie. Right guard, John Feliciano. Right tackle number two, Ty Insecki. Wide receiver, Robert Foster, who I will say is more cost-controlled than the rest of this group. Along with quarterback number three, Levi Wallace, who is more cost-controlled because they're both either restricted free agents or exclusive right free agents. And punter Corey Bohorquez, Chris. That's a massive chunk of our team.
2: Yeah, but if you're going to resign people, it'd be probably be you'd look to resign Milano, Dawkins, Foster, Wallace, maybe Bohorquez. But I mean, I haven't seen much of Bohorquez to for a resigning.
5: Okay, well, Chris. I think the th- I think the thing that we're missing here is that don't forget. These new contracts that are coming in have to be negotiated for longer seasons and more playoff games, right? Let's not forget the season's getting longer, right? They're adding a they're adding a game next season, right? It's not just adding a playoff team this year; uh, it's adding an extra game next year, right? So we're talking about these contracts are are systemically going to increase because there's more to increase, right? like Mahomes deal the reason they didn't renegotiate those first two first two years was because one they didn't have the cap room to do it but two because that contract's written for the increase in seasons the increase of in games in you know in season and and this is the the tough time for Milano and Dawkins I've been waiting for this for a long time to see what Bean was going to do are we going to build through the draft or are we going to follow the Seattle model find our our cornerstone players that we just can't live without and just keep resigning them till we simply can't afford them anymore and truth be told i have a feeling like this is the t- this like this, matt milano and deon dawkins situation they're gonna let them test free agency because there's also another crux in the cba that you can only use one tag you can't use the transition tag and the franchise tag before you used to be able to use both now you can only use one they're not going to use that on either of these players they're not going to have the money to be able to do that so the franchise tag is basically uh uh, a crazy scenario because you're going to talk about paying somebody based off of contracts that were signed for a salary cap that, you know, we're going back to 2011, right? With a salary cap. So nobody's going to use the franchise. You'd be stupid if you did that now, because the amount of money you're going to pay for a player is But insane. see now, Paul,
3: you're talking about letting both of those players test free agency. That's every fan's nightmare scenario. You and then, do, but let remember, let me, okay, nobody's going so to have any money, with, Drew. And then let me share with you my own personal hell. I look at 2022. And I say, look who's a free agent now. Cornerback Trey White. Defensive end Jerry Hughes. Long snapper Reed Ferguson. Chris, you have the quote from Sean McDermott.
2: Yeah, nothing happens without Reed, as we all know.
3: (laughs) Big nickel Saran Neal. Okay, Free safety Micah Hyde and kicker Stephen Hauschka. So just to paint a picture for the fan who's listening at home right now. Over the course of two seasons, that's the backbone of this whole friggin' team. Three Pro Bowl Bowl appearances, three team captains, nine starters if you go by snap counts. They're going to hemorrhage these players, or at least they're going to potentially lose them both over the next two years. Now, when you look at where the bills stand, because we know that the the 2020 season, you can't affect the cap. It's already in place. When you look forward to 2021, the bills are already committed to contracts worth $185 Now, obviously, there's still a fight from the players who want to make 2021 a flat cap. They want to say, listen, we want to flatten the cap. Let's not take any hit next year because that will allow us more time to plan. It will allow GMs to make shrewd decisions, but it will also let players kind of prepare for this downturn in the market which would seem like something of a best-case scenario. But with that, the Bills will have all these free agents, and they'll have all these areas of the roster to shore up, and just $13 in cap space to do it as of today. Now, as you've alluded to, Paul, and the reason that I could kiss Brandon Bean on the mouth, I can say that. I can say that in full confidence. We constantly just... Chris, we just espoused love for Brandon being in the way he negotiates contracts. Contractual gangster. His signings and extensions over the last two years have afforded us a certain level of flexibility. We added Addison, Butler, and Jefferson this year. All of them for their pass rush abilities. They're the new faces on the 2020 Bills defensive line. They're what our franchise is hoping will spark the pass rush that makes our secondary that's already one of the best in the league. Tops. All three of them could be released, and we could generate 18 million in cap space by getting rid of all three of them next offseason. Jerry Hughes, depending on his age and the effectiveness of AJ Epinesa, you get rid of him and you make another 7.35. Just those four players could tack on a cool 25 million in cap space back onto the Bills' ledgers. And when you look at the makeup of next year's roster, you see continuity in terms of talent. Chris, you have the same expensive but talented wide receiver trio at the top of your depth chart. The fifth most expensive in the NFL this year. You have the same tight end group without Tyler Croft, who I'm pretty sure some people have already forgotten exists. Chris, did you If I said name a Bills tight end, is Tyler Croft the guy who pops in your head, Jake Fisher? <laughs> Jake Fisher. <laughs> and why why do you think of Jake Fisher, Chris?
2: Uh, because, uh, Michael, Michael Robinson. Robinson named him as one of our key signings after he had been cut.
3: He had been cut for three days and Michael Robinson goes it was on weeks. NFL news weeks and he goes on NFL <laughs> network and goes, yeah, Jake Fisher. Yeah. They, they got him at uh, tight end. You know, this team is really stocked <laughs> further proof. You can't trust the national media, but then they've got a secondary that's deep at both safety and cornerback talent. They've got veterans. They've got young players who all produce. And they would still feature most of the young impact players that we've talked about. So I don't know. How can Bean navigate this? I mean, Paul, how would you navigate this with a falling salary cap? You already said you would let both Matt Milano and Deion Dawkins test free agency. To yep. me, that's lunacy. I mean, I look at it, I was having the argument today, Chris. You saw it on Twitter. Greg Thompson from over at Cover One.net. We were going back and forth with a couple fans. And I, I'll say this. I don't trash other podcasts. I never do that. But there's an amateur podcast that just started up. They're relatively new to the game. They're a Buffalo Bills-based podcast. And I watched the host of their show stake his claim that he sincerely felt that the value of a weak side linebacker in Sean McDermott's defense was worth more. You 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 needed to retain him more than a starting left tackle in the NFL. No. And I I I'm not gonna name names because I don't again, Chris, you flip, flip a train- table. Oh I got mad. I yelled I yelled to my wife about it, who promptly told me she didn't care. I don't give a damn. What are you talking to me about? I don't understand these numbers. I think if any
2: position that you pay on the team, quarterback would be one. And I would probably put left tackle num- number two.
3: Paul, when you look at the two of them, because if you hear that list of people who are up for, John Feliciano was a journeyman, not a journeyman, but a career backup before he landed in Buffalo. Ty Insecki, again, a guy who never really could lock down a starting job. Those aren't guys, I mean, they've played a significant role for us, but they're not guys that the NFL will miss. And so in that way, they probably won't drive a hard bargain. Those two players, though, Dawkins and Milano, play not only premium positions, but positions that over the course of the last few years have seen an uptick in salary. Between the two, who do you deem the most valuable?
5: So, Dawkins, and that, to my core, breaks my heart, because I can't stand Deion Dawkins at left hand, (laughs) but the fear of what life is like of having to go back to the well. Demetrius uh, Bell,
0: for all of you
3: out there, Demetrius Bell, go YouTube some tape on him. Go, go back if you have Game Pass. Go back and watch Demetrius Bell protecting the blind side, and tell me you want to go back to that. And if you well, don't have
5: if, to do that, no, no. The, the analogy
3: have... I gave was people who don't think that the left tackle position means anything. Look at the New York Giants. They draft. They spent a first round draft pick on Eric Flowers to be their tackle of the future. He flames out. He's now playing for Washington or maybe Miami. I don't even know where he is now. Then they go out and they pay Nate Solder of the Patriots because they say, well, he was good. He was good in New England. So we're going to give him an exorbitant salary to come in here and be our answer. And a few years later, they move him inside the guard. They're switching him around. He's hurt. And he's not the answer. So then they have to, again, just now in 2020, spend the number four pick in the NFL draft on a left tackle. And they still don't know if he's any good. Do you as Bills fans want to go back to that world? Because I don't.
5: And, I mean, the truth is, like, the Bills got, if we're just looking at value, right, value is a starting left tackle in the second round or lower. Like, that's great value. Good for you, right? But the reason that I said you let Dawkins and Milano test free agency, just to defend that point real quick, is that everybody is going to be working with no money. No team is going to have money. They accept one, which I was told... 15 minutes ago, I wasn't allowed to mention again. But there's like one team that has money. And outside of that, there's no other teams that will have money. So you're not going to be able to give a lot um, in first-day dollar, right? And the Bills are in a good position to be able to do that, um, given the makeup of their roster and the way they could trim down to 55 players this year, right? They could really roll over almost $40 million if they cut the right players. And then that would absorb a lot of the loss that we see a drop in salary cap. Right? So so do you Um,
3: suggest that Brandon Bean be shrewd? I mean, fans have a big expectation for this season, myself included. Are you saying he should play it cheap heading into a year where we're expected to take a step forward?
5: What I'm saying is – there are going to be a lot of teams who are going to just freak out and cut very good veteran players because of their salary in 2021. So you could look at a player and say, okay, well this guy just hit free agency. You know what, Dion, we're not going to be able to forge you next year, but this guy that's out on free agency, i probably get by with him if I sign him now and then sign him to a three, four year deal. Uh, you know, I, I could probably give myself a little space in 2021 where I'm not having to pay Deion Dawkins 18 million dollars because I mean let's be realistic that's where money's going to tell you that he's going to have to be paid he's going to have to be paid an exorbitant amount of money and if your goal is to make Trey White the cornerstone of your defense in 2022 then you need to start making your compromises and I'll be, I'll be honest with you I love Matt Milano but they make six foot one weak side linebackers every year. Right, you can love Jerry Hughes, but they make high motor, six foot two uh, defensive ends who are really fast. They make those guys every year. You know, like you can find those all over the place. Stop,
3: stop, are- stop punching me in the fandom, Paul. All right? <laughs> I'm sorry. Listen, it's it off. true.
5: It, and that but the truth is, you know, the left tackle position is really, really a dangerous position to play with. But teams are going to freak out knowing that the cap space is going to plummet next year, unless teams know something that nobody else does. And if and if you mentioned before, you they, they go a flat salary cap where they just try to minimize the loss. That's possible. But the only way in God's green earth that the owners will ever agree to that is that the players if the players give up a massive chunk of their forty eight point five percent of revenue sharing that they just signed into the CBA and that ain't gonna happen. No, they salary going down. They're, they're
3: never gonna live on they're never gonna live in that world. Right. So now when I look at potential casualties and the long-term impact on the Bills' competitive window. I mean, we're just talking about offensive tackles. Their cost on a team by team basis as we talked about in your last appearance on our show. They've increased by 98% since 2017 because teams routinely not just overpay for left tackles. But now right tackles are getting left tackle money. That's because, and that's again because defensive coordinators have started saying, "Hey, you give me two good pass rushers, I'll beat up a bad right tackle." Cody Ford felt it. Cody Ford felt the wrath of J.J. Watt in that playoff game. I mean, you saw it, and then Ty Secchi had to come in in the second half of the game and save his ass. So with that, you see why teams want top flight tackle play because defensive coordinators have gotten more exotic. Linebacker play, the pace skyrocketed the last few years. It seems like the Jets and Vikings, who the Jets in that C.J. Mosley deal blew my mind. And the fact that they were going to pay Anthony Barr, and then Anthony Barr somehow parlayed that into a similar contract with his home team and didn't have to bear the shame of playing in New Jersey. I mean, first of all, We're talking about New Jersey. Second of all, the Jets artificially inflated the linebacker market. So now the going rate is something in the ballpark of $10 million for a guy who operates at a high level. Chris, is $10 million. If I came to you and said, Matt Milano, $12 million a bust, you would almost have to walk away from that, no?
2: Yeah, I'm not giving Matt Milano that kind of money.
3: And then the scary thing here, Paul, and this is where we as a team are kind of teetering on the edge of something terrible. We've talked about this ad nauseum. The ringer did the math. The ringer.com has a stat that's seared into my brain. 26.1. That is the percentage of the cap that cannot be allocated between two or fewer players on any football team for any team that's ever won a Super Bowl. But when you look at what quarterback pay is doing, it's exploded. I mean, Paul, with that in mind, what do you think of this mega deal that Patrick Mahomes just signed?
5: Again, I think it's key to remember that, one, um, it's written for when the increasing games happen, right? So you're looking at, he signed a 10-year contract extension. But remember, they're adding an extra se- an extra game every season. So, that contract is including the 10 extra games that he'll have to play, right? Plus, you're figuring in extra playoff games because they're expanding the playoffs. So there's, there's a whole extra season that is negotiated in that contract that Kansas City feels like they're going to end up playing and that Mahomes has to be compensated for, right? Even with that being said, there is no way in God's green earth that you could look at at having to restart the quarterback position ever again in Buffalo <laughs> unless Josh Allen literally sets himself on fire on the field okay like so- you just you can't even consider it because the it's like starting over again at left tackle If that's the price of poker, like Allen's nowhere near Mahomes. So don't get me wrong. I'm not making the comparison to state that he is. But the next contract that gets signed, that's the one that I'm concerned about.
0: Right. Exactly.
3: Well, here's where you should be, though, because I've done the math here. Look at this. Between Patrick Mahomes, the angling of Dak Prescott's uh, camp for more money. He's going to play. He's going to try to uh, Kirk Cousins his way into a bigger contract. Rising tides float all boats. And for that reason, even quarterbacks who haven't ever accomplished anything in their careers are in line for a massive payday. I'm going to run down a list of guys to you who at some point in their careers, quote unquote, got the bag. Okay, Carson Wentz, one playoff appearance, didn't finish the game. He has a good completion percentage in the regular season. His touchdown numbers are good, but he's playing for one of the better offensive head coaches in the NFL. He has double-digit wins just once in his entire career. But that team, without him, was good enough to go to the Super Bowl and beat the Patriots and win it. So what did Carson Wentz give that football team? Doesn't matter. Dude got paid. Jared Goff, two-time Pro Bowler. Good completion percentage. Touchdown numbers are good. Playing for one of the better offensive head coaches in the NFL. Do you see a theme developing here? He has crutches, OK, because as a signal caller and kind of a quarterback for that team, he got exposed badly in the 2018 Super Bowl. He was too reliant on his head coach to make the side adjustments for him and to call out the shifts and the audibles before they happened. That's how the Patriots just stuffed that game down Jared Goff's throat. They said, listen. We're, we know the communication in the headset cuts out at 15 seconds and we know that he needs his head coach's help to call the audibles. We'll change it at 10. And in that way, like an evil genius, the guy, the guy from the team that I said we weren't going to talk about exposed this guy. He's unable to diagnose pressure or coverage late in the phase. And yet. He still got paid, and he was only slightly above average last year. He has fewer game-winning drives than Josh Allen, even though he played what, Chris? Two more years? Gossman around two more years than Allen? I think so. And then you've got Derek Carr, Chris, the elite Derek Carr. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so your boy. Came up. <laughs> your boy, the elite Derek up. Carr. He has one career-winning season in six years. Good completion percentage numbers. Okay. Average touchdown to interception ratios. Zero playoff appearances. Yet he got paid an exorbitant amount of money. For what production?
2: He had that good season.
3: Then you've got the guys waiting to get paid at quarterback. Dak Prescott. There's a, there's a narrative here forming, Chris. Three playoff appearances, just one win. In 2019, Dak put up his worst performances against teams with winning records. He was 25 touchdowns and 25 picks against teams with a winning record. So far in his career, he already accounts for over 13% of the team's cap space. And now he's what? He wants more money? And then Deshaun Watson. He's waiting to get paid. He's got a great completion percentage. His touchdown numbers are out of control. But he was also playing with arguably the next Julio Jones and DeAndre Hopkins. And now, because Bill O'Brien is a genius, he's not playing in Houston anymore. He's a multifaceted player, though, who has thrived with no offensive line. And he's also been the quarterback for two of the most lopsided playoff losses I've seen in recent history. He lost 21-7 to against Indy, where the last they scored points late in the fourth quarter just as kind of a gimme. And then and then this past year they were winning 24 to nothing and Patrick Mahomes put the boots to the entire Houston Texans defense and where was Deshaun Watson Paul those are the guys who are going to get paid before Josh Allen does
5: it's a big race to Deshaun Watson right so if if I'm Buffalo I just got to beat. I just got to beat Houston to the table with Deshaun Watson getting Josh Allen re-signed. That's who I got to beat. I, I got to beat Deshaun Watson. That's what I got to do. And it, it, the great thing is, is like it, the Bills can start talking contract extension with Josh Allen in this season. Now they can't do it until after January first of twenty twenty one. But they could talk contract extension with Josh Allen going into – in this season. But, but again, not until January 1st of 2021. And you'll have a pretty good idea what revenue is going to look like at that point for 2021. So that plays into the bill's hands, right? But there's no rule that says you have to renegotiate the existing seasons, right? And Patrick Mahomes' contract tells you – and actually, that's the nice thing about the Mahomes contract is it sets a precedent that it's okay to leave those years alone, Right? So, the Bills could pick up Allen's option, right, for his fifth year, which will guarantee him, you know, a a ton of money. Um, And then they could extend him after that. Great news is it doesn't impact 2021 negatively. It's not going to negatively impact 2022 because you're still getting Josh Allen as a bargain. And then you're not going to have to pay his ass until 2023, which is when that contract extension would actually happen. So, the, the Mahomes deal actually helps the Bills quite a bit. But, you still got to get to the table before Watson signs, because if we're talking about comparables, that's kind of where your comparable is, um, is Watson. Right. If you're looking at Allen compared to other players who are close to contract time, you got to be you got to beat Watson to the table. And you can do that effective January 1st of 2021 when you already understand revenue for what 2021's cap space is going to look like. And you don't have to renegotiate those years because the Mahomes deal tells you that's OK. So you can keep the existing years, his contract's gonna be guaranteed in the fifth year, and you could start it you could start that extension. That new contract will go effective, what, twenty twenty three? That's sure. Worry about that revenue later. You just signed your quarterback from the next eight years after twenty twenty two? Sure.
3: Okay, sure. so then playing devil's advocate, if re Allen's a must, then who from that list of players from twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two that I read off, who do you foresee being the most vulnerable? In terms of the spot on the roster.
5: You're going to hate this. Oh, Dog.
3: Okay. You're going to hate this. Okay, Chris, we're opening a second beer.
5: So, yeah, there we go. Crack it open. So, and I'm going to say this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the reason first and tell you the player next, right? You have Sean McDermott, former defensive back. You have Leslie Frazier, former defensive back. You've got probably one of the best defensive back coaches and one of the best linebacker coaches, by the way, their father-son tandem, right? The defensive backs coach and the linebacker coach, father and son, right? They've got one of the best in the league. So everything that tells, so we're talking about a former defensive back head coach, a former defensive back defensive coordinator, uh, a father linebacker coach and a son defensive back coach who again are among the top in the league as far as development goes, right? What player do you think, in 2022 is the most vulnerable
3: If you say Trey White I'm going to throw something at Chris
5: it is 100% Trey White it is 100% Trey White because look at that cornerback two position right it's been the drummer for spinal tap they've literally replaced that player every season multiple times during the season so what makes that position expendable I mean, you can make the argument that Trey is vulnerable because look at what you got on your staff. You've been trying different corners, and you've kind of been surviving. Now, is that a, is, Does that survival ultimately exist because you got Trey locking down one side of the field? Yeah, there's a very big argument for that, right? But is it also a narrative that that player's replaceable because he was the fourth cornerback off the board, and maybe you just know how to how to scout defensive backs? Yeah, that I could, you could, you could make that argument, and, and it's hard to, it's hard to draw a line in the sand and know which side you want to be on. I don't want to see Trey go anywhere. I love Trey White. I love Trey White. But he was the fourth cornerback off the board, and what tells you, what tells you that this coach, GM, and coaching tandem, that that little, the little Bermuda Triangle of coaches on the staff, what says they can't repeat that? Nothing says they can't repeat that. They've been turning, turning and burning CB twos for the last three seasons. So what's the difference here? Like, oh it's my not God. like we have been settled.
3: I'm not gonna lie. I brought you on here to help me feel better, and you gave me a stomach ache. Like places, this <laughs> I'm is this is this is like a man. lead weight. I'm sorry, you you get the hell out of here, Paul Wineski. Now I have another question. Because here's the thing. We're we're talking about this. Okay. So who's most vulnerable? If it's Trey White, because we know what's. Starting cornerbacks in the NFL, true CB1s, they get paid a ton of money. They do. And one of the things that I pointed out was that safeties don't... Safeties, ranking in the top 10 of pay, haven't made a Super Bowl, Chris, since like the early 2000s. It's all about where you allocate your money and you can kind of follow a line of people who spend in certain places it doesn't result in success. Sometimes... You pay a cornerback one and you win a Super Bowl. Sometimes you pay that guy like Patrick Peterson and you get beat in the NFC Championship game so badly that you never recover from it as a franchise. That's what happens to you. You're rolling the dice. That position has limited impact on the overall game. If we were to pay Josh Allen... Does that have a detrimental impact on the Bills window? And especially with the declining, we're forecasting this decline in the salary cap. All of these developments wrapped into one. Does it have a detrimental impact on the Bills window to compete in the AFC, in your opinion? I mean, here's what I'm picturing. I'm looking at the Pittsburgh Steelers. They won two Super Bowls of Big Ben. Both of those Super Bowls came prior to him being paid. Once he got his paycheck, they made it to another Super Bowl and they lost to the Packers. Outside of that, they've kind of they've always been highly competitive, but they're always a bridesmaid. Well, they're always a maid of honor, never the bride. Is that the fate of the Buffalo Bills if we, in an era of a falling cap, pay our quarterback and pay some of these players that fans are in love with?
5: Here's where I sit when you start looking at what do you do right so the quarterback position is arguably the most valuable because it's the hardest to start over with right i mean that's that's call let's call it what it is there's a very large portion of teams who retain quarterbacks solely because it's just simply harder to start over with. and can i so you,
3: and can i say this I, the ways, just for our listeners, the way that this is going to damage the model that Bean has laid out here and found success in Buffalo, the roster is going to become, the more we pay these guys, heavily draft-dependent at a lot of the game's most important positions, which is going to get harder as member of members of Bean's cabinet get hired away for other jobs. I mean, the thing we all applauded Brandon Bean for was that he assembled an all-star cast behind the scenes, and then you've seen it play out in these drafts. You've seen it play out in the f- pro personnel moves that they've made, the, the the John Felicianos of the world that they've been able to go out and find who can come in and start for your football team. Those guys are going to get hired away. And then you look at the lack of spending ability, it's going to hurt rookie retention as well as Bean's model for, as you alluded to earlier, kind of raking this compensatory pick formula he's circumvented it he signs veteran free agents at premium positions for a value and then trades them every offseason Chris Mm -hmm. we outlined that in detail during one of our podcasts this offseason he's always looking for a trade and he'll sign guys just to turn and burn them or to get a guy off his own roster say hey listen I'll sign a comparable backup If this guy still has perceived value, I can trade him for something. And I don't need compensatory picks. That model of Brandon Beans is going to be damaged by his inability to go out there and spend the way he wants to spend on these value-free agents. How do we as a team come out of this and still have our competitive window wide open?
5: There's a lot of opportunity with a lot of players that they've signed recently, where you could just be done with whatever those contracts were, right? So if you want to, you know, if if you want to just instantaneously move on from um, Daryl Williams, you know, you can. If you if you want to move on from Quentin Jefferson, you can, right? Like it, the great thing about what Bean has done is that he's built a house that you can literally just take whole parts of the new edition, and just take it out and you're still going to be fine. But the level of depth on this roster, I, I would challenge across nearly every other NFL team. And the reason that I say that and, and why I bring that up is because it makes you more versatile in a financially restrictive arena, right? So if you got to start saving money now, You can run with a bunch of these rookies, right, or a bunch of these first- or second-year undrafted free agents that you have on your roster. And if that's really what you want to roll with, there's enough depth on this team where you can start cutting a bunch of even the new signings that you want. If you're worried about cap space in 2021, cut Stephon Diggs. There's $12 million. Poof. Just poof. Did it cost your first-round pick? Sure. Did you make it to playoffs? I don't know. Maybe. Did you make the run that you were trying to make? Yeah, you probably did. But if you cut Diggs and save 12 mil— What's to say that he's going to get 12 mil on the open market? Nothing. Nothing says that. Did he land where he wanted to land? I'm pretty sure Stefan Diggs did not have you know fantasies of being traded to the Buffalo Bills, right? Like I don't say that with disdain stain in my voice. I'm just telling you the truth. The guy's not – he didn't pick here, right? So it, the truth is there's a lot of flexibility. And with Bean's ability to, to work that pro personnel department um, – They have more versatility than most teams because they find value in players that get strewn off by other organizations. And that's only going to benefit them in 2021. Now, it might not be the roster that you're looking at now. The Bills have been incredibly consistent, um, you know, and and they've been able to keep the same roster together for multiple seasons. That's probably going to come to a screeching halt in 2021 solely for financial reasons. But the truth is, that's okay, right? That's okay because they play the veteran free agent game so well um, that once teams start cap-cutting a lot of these veterans, they're going to be able to go in and rake. And let's not forget, right, like I'll, I'll give a real quick example, that Cam Newton contract, right, I, I hate it, but it's it's a cool contract because they're paying him league minimum, he got less than a million dollars in signing bonus, and he's only going to count about about $600,000 against their salary cap, even though he's making more than that, because there's actually a veteran cap credit that they get because they signed him for league minimum and gave him less than a million dollars. Now, what they did with that Cam Newton contract, the Bills could absolutely do in 2021. You'll load it with incentives. Those incentives, they don't count against your cap that season. They count against your cap the next season, if they're unlikely to be earned. So a player like Ty Nasecki, a player who maybe is coming off an injury, like Daryl Williams, that's a great player. That yeah, we'll give you your salary, and let's you know if you win the starting job. Here are all your incentives, but they're all un- unlikely to be earned because if this is a player that's coming off an injury, probably didn't play very much last season. So if he starts four games, like with Cam Newton, if he starts three games, that he gets he gets you know a bonus based off of next year's salary cap. So there's a lot of versatility here, and that Cam Newton contract was really cool um, to show again the league that it's okay to sign a veteran player to a bunch of these unlikely to be earned incentives that they're coming off of an injury because it's not going to hit your cap this year. It's going to hit your cap next year. If the player if the player does well, that you look like a genius because you got him for nothing this season, and sure you have to pay him, you know, you have to pay him the following season. But who cares,
3: right? <laughs> who cares? So then, with that in mind. Because I'm not going to lie, listening to you talk, I feel better from my original premise and the kind of doom and gloom I opened this podcast with because I genuinely felt bad about all this. So do you think, based on the financial forecast that we've just kind of put out there for fans, the Bills aren't obligated to win now in 2020? You, do, do you or do you not feel like there's more pressure because of this for them to win now?
5: There's pressure every year for every team to win, right? So is there more pressure this year to win? No, I don't think there is. Uh, this this team really does put everything they have into building a winner now, right? Um, but they're really, really smart with their investments. Now, will this be the first time we see them make moves anticipating future failure? Yeah, I think it really is, right? <laughs> Before, we've seen them make good short-term investments, um, and not really, you know, you're like, okay, well, we're going to sign Tainaseki. We're going to sign him to a three-year deal. Eh, what the hell? Why not, right? Eh, what's the worst that could happen? He comes in and gets hurt, right? So they've signed short-term deals that normally have high upside, but you're going to actually start seeing them likely go away from players who, who are actually healthy and could contribute because they, they really just need to get get themselves in a position where they're going to be competitive next season. So I do think they put a lot of pressure on themselves to win every year, but I think some of the cuts this season um, are going to be with their eye down the road. And if they're not, um, I'll be real surprised. Um, Even though they're going to have a lot of versatility after next season to cut a bunch of players, like you can cut Trap Murphy and save yourself $9 million next season. I mean, you could go ahead and do that. You could do that now and then save seven mil and then roll that over to next year or you can do it next season. The, the Bills are going to be a great barometer for how fearful organizations are about future cap space because they're in a wonderful position. They could just stay where they are, and they'll probably be exactly where the cap is next season. Or they could start preparing themselves now and give themselves a little bit of wiggle room. And if they do it, I'm really curious to see what other organizations who are closer to the cap this year do because if the Bills are making room now, and they don't need to, What does that say about the rest of the NFL?
2: Yeah, Paul, that was uh, all good stuff. You're uh, definitely a giant nerd that knows his way around a calculator and NFL salary caps. Uh, What do you guys got going on over at uh, hashtag sports? And where can we uh, find you on Twitter as well?
5: Yeah, yeah, Uh, at H-Tag Sports on Twitter. Uh, We just had uh, face masks made. We made a really short run on on hashtag face masks. It says uh, on the front of it, I wear this mask to remind me not to talk to New England Patriot fans. Uh, So those will be available over on the YouTube page.
3: Uh, You said the Uh, name. Yeah,
5: you can catch us anytime, always on Twitter, always on YouTube.
3: You said the name, sir. I'm infuriated, but also I love you. I love the fact that you go out of your way to help us laymen understand the financial nuances of the NFL game. Sir, it's been a pleasure.
5: Love you guys.
2: All right. You can go follow Paul Wineski and Mario Granada over on Twitter at H sports. Mario's got that football knowledge and ski's got that knowledge of a calculator and how numbers (laughs) work.
3: (sighs) Folks. This podcast kind of placated me personally. I feel a little bit better heading into the future knowing that our season isn't, Chris, that this 2020 season isn't make or break. That there's still options for us to maintain our competitive window. Yes. And so in that, we turn our attention to training camp, which if you haven't already, make sure you go check out our podcast from earlier this week where we had Eric Turner of Cover1.net come in and we talked about the quarterback groups, and we also talked about the running back position, which factors in as one of the more dynamic on our offense this year. We just, Chris, that running back group is going to pay dividends for the rest of the offense. It has to. The Bills have been a top 10 rushing offense for years.
2: Yeah, uh, it's got to get better,
3: you know, bringing in Moss as a rookie. You'd hope. And that's what it's going to take if we want to get to where we want to go. So make sure you check that podcast out, make sure you report, make sure you're giving us reviews over at Stitcher, over at Apple, over at Spotify, and give us a follow. But Chris, with all of that said, we gotta get the hell out of here. It's been a late night, and I'm two fisting Utica Club, which is you're never in a good place. So with that said, I'm Drew Gear, that's Chris Krueger, that was Paul Wineski, and this has been the Rock Pout Report.
4: It's happening daily. mypatriotsupply.com